0: Hello, and welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. It's one of my favorite songs, that good, good father. Uh, And that's a lot of what we're trying to do in this series is that we would see just how beautiful Jesus is, how beautiful God is. Um, Let me read you the beginning of our passage, and I'll ask you to open to it later. This is from Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them. With ointment. Now, in a few minutes, I'll ask you to, to open the passage and we'll, we'll look at. It. You're going to find out the Pharisee's name is, is Simon. Um, Simon the Pharisee would have deeply hated this woman. He would have felt dishonored. He would have felt offended that she's in his house. Have you ever had a situation where you're just kind of churning with anger and you're just, you're just really upset, probably feeling like that. Now, we don't feel the same we don't have that visceral kind of reaction to prostitutes in our culture in terms of honor and those kinds of things. So let me try to build, you know, again, a bridge of understanding so that we can kind of feel a little more of what they probably felt uh, back then. Uh, the wife of my spiritual father contacted me a couple of weeks ago. My spiritual father's passed away, but, um, and she doesn't contact me hardly at all, but she wanted my mailing address uh, so that she could give it to Jonathan. Now, I met Jonathan when I was a junior in high school and he was a sophomore. He ran on the cross-country team and he always came in dead last. Often, when you'd watch, he'd be back, you know, half a track back or something. And as he ran, you could hear his feet all the way across the stadium because he would, he would do that. Jonathan was, was small, slender, not very good looking. He told people he was a pagan who worshipped Zeus and Apollo and that Hitler was his hero. He sent out kind of a, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have recognized just some of his facial features and the way his expressions, it it was kind of a weird vibe that really indicated that he was pretty deeply broken. Now, nobody would have anything to do with Jonathan. Now, I'd recently become a follower of Jesus, and I figured, okay, I'm supposed to love everybody, so I decided to kind of befriend Jonathan. And every week or two, I'd spend some time with him. I picked him up, took him to Young Life, he eventually had a change of heart, gave up on Zeus and Apollo, and uh, professed his belief in Jesus. Uh, we did Bible studies together, but it was very difficult for Jonathan to feel like God really, God really loved him. That song we just sang about God being a good, good father. I once spent a couple of hours in a car with Jonathan and his parents, and um, they were just weirdly creepy. I worked really hard on that phrase. (laughs) His dad was part of this bizarre religious cult. Um, Of the 2,500 students in my high school, Jonathan may have been the only student who had never learned how to swim or to ride a bicycle. His parents hadn't taught him or made sure that he learned how. Um, As we drove in the car, uh, his dad was just very insulting and demeaning of Jonathan. I went away to school I'd come back we'd meet up sometimes and talk that went on for years Jonathan struggled into his 20s he got some more schooling he even had a girlfriend at one point um, but he was living at home in this environment being constantly insulted and then one day he snapped in a rage he killed his mom and his dad he's now been in prison for around 40 years I'm expecting a letter from him asking if I would be willing to write a letter to the parole board on his behalf. He's coming up for parole. So how would you feel if I were over if you invited me over for dinner at your house and uninvited knowing this story. Jonathan showed up and sat down at the table. Would you be uncomfortable? Would you feel insulted, maybe a little worried? We tend to have more of a visceral response of abhorrence and anger toward people who murder their parents. Maybe that's a little more like the disdain and the hatred that Simon the Pharisee would have felt toward this prostitute as she came in to this dinner that he'd arranged with Jesus. Would you open your Bible or an app to Luke chapter 7? I'd urge you just keep it open. We'll be looking through a lot of, a long passage there. We're going to start at verse 39. Pick up where I left off when I was reading earlier. Unlike today, only prostitutes dressed sensually back then in the ancient world. By far the most likely scenario is that she is a known sinner because she's a prostitute. So I'll just call her that. And this known prostitute has used her tears and her hair on Jesus' feet. She's kissed his feet and she's anointed them with perfume. So we pick it up at verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to read the rest of the passage, and it'll become clear that Simon had not extended what was considered the normal, customary, culturally appropriate courtesies to Jesus as his, quote, honored guest. He had not had his feet washed. They walked on dusty roads. That would have been just normal, He'd not greeted him with a kiss on each cheek. He'd not even, a little bit special thing, anointed his hair with oil. Um, why is Simon not even extending the normal courtesies that would have been extended to any visiting rabbi? Well, first, he's not really sure about Jesus. He's, he's, he's a Pharisee. Jesus is not. Jesus isn't... Necessarily, he's heard about how Jesus sometimes doesn't keep the Sabbath in the same way that, that Jesus hangs out with bad people, tax collectors and prostitutes. Now Simon is a Pharisee. That means his life revolves around keeping the Mosaic law and the demands as they've been interpreted. So that would mean he would be especially careful not to become ceremonially unclean. Let me explain. God's holiness requires man's holiness. And in the Hebrew scriptures, God tied that concept together with ceremonial cleanliness. We'll just look at a brief one of many passages. In Leviticus 11, God said, Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean. Now, you fast forward to the New Testament and you have the book of Hebrews, you have many of Paul's teachings, and we see in Hebrews that this ceremonial cleanliness is only a foreshadowing of the true holiness of Jesus, okay? But Pharisees like Simon have taken this metaphorical shadow and it's become their reality. So to love God, Simon needed to avoid becoming ceremonially unclean. Now the law spells out numerous ways in which Simon could become unclean. If you eat a pig or a lobster or a spider, it makes you unclean. If you contract leprosy or touch a leper it makes you unclean if you have sex it makes you unclean if you have oozing infections it makes you unclean if you touch a dead animal now most of these things only make you unclean until the following evening but if you touch a dead person or a grave site or a coffin that makes you unclean for a week but here's the catch if I've touched something unclean and then I sit down on this bench now the whole bench is unclean, and whoever touches it becomes unclean. So Megan, Ben, Brittany, they're on my bench. So if Simon was touched by anyone or touched anything unclean, then he became unclean. A leper was unclean. A prostitute was unclean. Jesus had helped lepers by touching them. We saw that a couple of weeks ago when Luke preached. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. Earlier in this very chapter, there, a dead man was going by, a young man, and Jesus touched the wagon thing that he was on, which would have made Jesus unclean for a week, and he raised the man from the dead. Certainly, Simon heard about that. Has it been a week? Is Jesus still unclean? What are the odds, with all the people Jesus hangs out with and that he does, that Jesus is unclean ceremonially? So Simon If he greeted Jesus with a kiss on the cheek, good chance that'd make Simon unclean. If he loves God, he doesn't want to be unclean. If Simon's servant washed Jesus' feet and then touched Simon, then Simon would become unclean. To love God a lot, Simon felt he needed to maintain his ceremonial cleanliness and not touch Jesus. To love God a lot, Simon would have to avoid showing love to Jesus and Jesus God he wants to love God God comes over for dinner and he won't even give him a kiss on the cheek and now Simon's worst fears come true a prostitute has somehow gotten into his house and has defiled Jesus and everything Jesus is touching and Simon's reputation will be damaged and Jesus seems at ease with it all Simon did not think that Jesus was displaying a beautiful heart by being at ease with this prostitute all over his feet. But I do. Do you think this is a beautiful thing that Jesus is doing? I do. If you've never seen a picture like this before, and I know you can't see it that well back there, we're going to fix it up for you in a second. This is a wood carving, in olive wood of an artist's rendition of the Last Supper. They did not do it like uh, the painting, The Last Supper. This is rather a low table, three sides. Let's go to the next slide. You can now see the outline of the table and the Little circles are the people around it. And so what they would do, is they would recline on their left arm on a cushion, use their right hand only as they ate, and the place of honor, the second, mo- second one in from the left side would be where Jesus would have been seated at a, at a dinner like this. Simon was probably fairly well-to-do and probably had a table like this. The center is open so people can go in and feed them. But we wonder, well, how does this prostitute get access to Jesus' feet under the table to wash them? It's because it's like this. Everybody's feet are accessible, very easily. It's not like our tables today, okay? People reclined at table. And this perfume in an alabaster container would probably have been very expensive, probably at least several months' wages. And again, only prostitutes de- dressed sensually, and she would both visually and by sense of smell be tempting men wherever she went as she walked through a crowd of men even if they didn't see her they'd know. if they saw her they'd see how she was dressed if they smelled the perfume they'd know this was her advertising that for money you could have sex with her this aromatic sensually dressed prostitute comes into simon's house unwelcome and uninvited I imagine it was kind of like what we have the cliché in westerns. Those of you who are in high school now, I know you didn't grow up watching westerns like, like many of us, but the cliché, and they, have, they make some commercials like this. The cliché is, you know, bad Bart comes through the swinging saloon doors and they go, and what happens? Everything stops. The piano player stops. The poker player stops. The, uh, everybody stops talking. The bartender's pouring a drink and just it keeps going and going and going. <laughs> Everything stops. Bad Bart's arrived. And that's probably what it would have been like. Everybody would have just, their mouth would have dropped open. Simon's probably given some killer looks at his servants for letting this prostitute get in. She's not welcome. She knows that she may be in danger, not just of verbal abuse, but of getting tossed out or even stones thrown at her to drive her away. It's interesting that the alabaster jar cost a great deal this expensive, extravagant, luxurious act on the part of the prostitute, guess how she bought that? I'm sure Simon is thinking, Jesus is benefiting from the wages of sin. Now the whole household would have been filled with the aroma of this perfume she poured it on his feet and i imagine it was so much that was even irritating to the guests and if they're already into the food have you ever tried to eat steak with this with strong perfume doesn't taste the same does it no kind of irritating this is an awkward demeaning situation both for her because she's not wanted and for simon but jesus is at ease See, Jesus is so beautiful. He doesn't care that Simon is upset. He doesn't care that the woman has sinned a lot. He just cares about them. And not just about her. He cares about her, but he also cares about Simon who has misunderstood. And he's going to actually try to get Simon to come to his senses by telling them a story. Why would this woman be doing this? Why would she be weeping at Jesus' feet and uh, drying with her hair? She's expressing this overwhelming sense of joy and relief and gratitude, of love. When you kiss someone's feet, what does it indicate? Well, you're obviously saying they are better than you. They are, you are humbling yourself. It's, she's putting herself in a humiliating situation. She doesn't seem to care because she's overwhelmed by something probably She'd heard Jesus preach and about mercy and forgiveness. Or maybe she'd had a demon cast out of her by Jesus. Something, he had helped her in some way. And she has concluded that he's worth loving and worth worshipping. She's concluded that he's worth loving and worth worshipping. But what's going on with Simon? For Simon, Jesus is on trial. He's trying to figure out if Jesus is a prophet or not. And the fact that he's letting himself become unclean by this woman indicates to them he must not be a prophet. He must be a false prophet. That's the litmus test for him. Does he keep the law of Moses in the way that Simon and his people think that it should be kept? So Jesus is on trial, and when he handles this situation by letting this sensual, perfumed, immodestly dressed woman With her hair down, have prolonged contact with his feet, and he's at ease with that. Simon concludes that he must be a false prophet, and he's condemned by Simon. You realize Simon doesn't understand the situation. Jesus is not on trial, Simon is. It's a test. For Jesus, the prostitute has been tried, convicted, and forgiven. And Jesus now turns the tables on Simon to try and help him. Would you look at verse 40? And Jesus answered, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. That's about two years wages or two months wages. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? One owes about two years wages. The other about two months. About ten, one debt is ten times greater than the other. Jesus does this multiple times in the Gospels. He shows that he's God by acting like God. Only God can forgive and he says you are forgiven. And everybody starts murmuring. That's the big deal to them. He says, go in peace, extricates her from what could be a very difficult situation for her, maybe even physically dangerous. Now, Simon's theology says that to love God with all his heart and strength and mind, and it says that he's doing pretty well. He's doing that pretty well, and his debt to God is small, especially when he compares himself to this woman. But you see what he's done? By doing that, it's not that he's loving God with his whole heart, he's not loving him at all. God comes to dinner, and he doesn't love him. See, Simon didn't understand his own need for Jesus to forgive him. Simon thinks he's good enough. Now, I, I'll say this to you re- relatively often. You know that in America, about 92% of people believe in God, and about 91% think they're going to heaven. And mostly what people think is, I'm good enough. I'm not as bad as that drug dealer or that murderer like Jonathan. I'm good enough. God will be fair. I'm going to heaven. But deep down, when you're not comparing yourself to others and you let yourself see the anger, the worry, the lust, the jealousy, you know you're not that good. I know you're not that good because I'm not that good. And because the Bible says you're not that good. But the good news is that if you will see yourself as you really are, not see yourself as Simon the Pharisee saw himself, not compare yourself to someone who is deeply broken, compare yourself to Jesus. None of us is good enough. But the good news is, God loves to forgive. We all need forgiveness, and God loves to forgive. He is, as the song said, a good, good father. Jesus exemplifies mercy. Not mercy because he figures, yeah, I'm kind of bad, like mercy of the one who's not bad at all, and yet he loves to forgive. Gladly forgives us when we finally realize we just aren't good enough. For Albert Einstein, the most important question was, is the universe a friendly place? And how Jesus treats people, how he treats this prostitute tells us a lot about God. Now clearly in this universe the Bible says a fallen world there are actually evil spiritual forces out to get you that want to destroy you and there are all kinds of difficulties with this fallen world. However the Bible also makes it very clear. God is immensely more powerful and wants to bless you. He wants to forgive you and make you part of his family. Mercy is one of his key characteristics. You see the irony in the situation at Simon's house? The Lord of the universe who will sit on the judgment throne for all of creation, the author of the law of Moses, the voice of the burning bush is speaking to Simon the Pharisee as he sups at his table and Simon is so sure of himself and his interpretation that he judges the judge. He fails to recognize the voice and finds Jesus unworthy. He doesn't find any beauty in Jesus forgiving this prostitute. Especially not letting her touch his feet. But the prostitute is right. Jesus' heart is beautiful. He deserves love. He, des- he deserves worship. I want to ask you again this week and probably every week to do something very practical. Last week I asked you to take the story of Peter and him letting down the nets and pulling up all these fish And then just tell it in your own words to people three different times. And you can just say, oh, my pastor asked me to do this. Um, There is something that happens different in our brains when we actually tell Bible stories than when we just read them. So I want you to, I'm asking you to trust me and try this. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to memorize it word for word, but that you just have to kind of know the story well enough to tell it in your own words and see what happens ask the Holy Spirit in all of these to just keep impressing upon your heart on your emotions the beauty of Jesus so I'm gonna ask you to tell this story that we just read to three to five people this week again just say my pastor asked me to do this doesn't have to be anybody you're not safe with uh, just do something like this and what I'm gonna tell the story what I would suggest is you just close your eyes And you imagine what it would be like if you were telling the story. Or you can even um, silently kind of repeat it in your head, as I say, it, so you can see how easy this is. It does not have to be hard. So this is the story. Jesus went to a guy named Simon, a Pharisee's house, for dinner. And they're lying at this table, leaning on their left elbows on cushions and eating, and their feet are sticking out behind him. And this prostitute comes, and she washes Jesus' feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, puts this expensive perfume on them, and then is kissing his feet. And the, Simon the Pharisee is really uncomfortable, and he's thinking to himself, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know how bad this woman is. And Jesus says to him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. He says, what is it? And then he tells him this story. He says, a moneylender had two people who owed him money. One owed him about two years' wages, another one owed him about two months, and he decided to cancel both debts. Simon, which one would love him more? And Simon said, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the bigger debt. And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. Simon, you see this woman? I came to your house, and you didn't give me any water for my dusty feet, but she's been weeping and washing them with her tears and drying them with her hair. You didn't didn't give me a kiss on the cheek when I came, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. She's anointing my feet with expensive perfume. Therefore, I tell you, although her sins are many, she loved much and she's forgiven, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he told the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the people started murmuring, who can forgive sins? Who is this guy? And Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I don't want you to feel pressure that it has to be anything word for word just in your own words. And I don't want you to feel like you have to get it right. Just say it to someone. And you might want to have you know, some notes on a card, bullet points, or on your phone. And After you say it, go read it again. Then say it again. And see what this does in your heart as you ask the Holy Spirit to use this to show you the beauty of Jesus this week. I'm going to ask you to do this each week. I hope you'll trust me on it. Why are we looking at these encounters with Jesus? Why are we hoping to see the beauty of Jesus? Because when we do, we can become like this forgiven prostitute filled with love and worship for how beautiful the heart of Jesus is. Now, I'm told that the parole hearing for my friend Jonathan is coming up, and they, they may or may not let him out. But when I visited Jonathan in prison some years ago, he made it very clear that he loved Jesus, believed in Jesus, and was following Jesus in prison as best he could. Now, you, you remember the thief on the cross. Crucifixion was reserved for the worst criminals, so it would not be at all unlike that the thief on the cross had murdered maybe multiple times. And yet Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise when he puts his faith in Jesus. See, God loves to forgive those who realize they desperately need forgiveness. What an amazing, beautiful God. Last I heard, Jonathan's been leading Bible studies in prison and talking with inmates about Jesus for decades. I knew a young man who grew up without knowing Jesus. He hung out with a bunch of guys. They lied, they cheated, they stole. Every other sentence contained profanity. He chased women, treated them inappropriately, often lost his temper, got into fights. Never murdered anyone like Jonathan, but Jesus made it clear that anger can be like murdering someone in our hearts. That was me before Jesus forgave me, gave me a new heart. And although it's unlikely I would have become a prostitute or murdered People like Jonathan, when I think of the prostitute in this story, when I think of Jonathan, I just think, there but for the grace of God go I. And like the prostitute who washed Jesus' feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, anointed them with perfume, and kept on kissing them, I think, what a beautiful Savior Jesus is. He's so worthy of my love and worship. The prostitute concluded that Jesus is worthy of love, and worship. Do you see the beauty of Jesus? Don't let anything keep you from seeing that. Just keep your eyes on Him. And now, some parting words from Pastor Rick. Jesus is beautiful, but life often is not. Uh, There are just some really tough things, and as Abby shared earlier, we know a lot of you are going through some Difficult health things and other things. Um, this week, Charlie Pfeiffer passed away. Charlie goes to the, went to the first service and been here for years. A beautiful man. Um, I had the privilege of talking with him the week before. And it was just a privilege to... Um, he'd been struggling with cancer for some months. They'd kind of kept it quiet. Uh, be praying for Judy because she's going to miss him a lot. But cancer is an, cancer's an ugly thing. You know, we live in a fallen world and our loved ones are taken from us for that or other things, the, the shootings in, in Florida. A lot of things out there, they, they, they might make you wonder, well, is God really that beautiful? Yeah, you see, it's a fallen world brought about by evil angels and our rebellion. But God cares more about that even than we do. And he is in the process of redeeming all of that, of changing, of making us new of making it all known. And as this prostitute came to him in an amazingly beautiful way, he restored her. Would you receive all the power you need in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit this week inside of you, that you might be Christ's ambassadors, that you might bring his beauty with you, that it might radiate from your face, that everyone might see in you you do indeed believe he is beautiful and worthy of love and worship may God fill you this week God bless you, go in peace thank you for listening for more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages have a blessed rest of your week